This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by Toink. What's Toink? Toink is your online source for cool costumes, trendy toys, and hot collectibles. It is an amazing, eclectic online toy store. Hey, we checked them out at one of the conventions, and we reached out to them and said, we love the selection of neat stuff that you have available. Check it out. Go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page, and find the link to Toink, T-O-Y-N-K. Simply click on that link, surf around, and you're going to find some cool stuff. Using our link supports the show and gives us a little cut of your spend at no extra cost to you. So definitely go to Toink, find something neat, and support Nerdcognito. Now, on with the show. Gobble fucking gobble, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Nerd Cognito. It is Turkey Week, and I'm joined by the biggest turkey I know, my friend and partner in crime here, Bert. Hey, Bert. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? You're a big fucking turkey. <laughs> yeah, you, you mentioned that. That, that. that was so terrible and over the top, but when I look at the hit sheet for this week and I see what we're talking about after the news, I guess cliche and over the top is the way to go. <laughs> uh, it happens sometimes. Cliches are cliches for a reason. Gobble, 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 gobble. How was your week, my friend? Not too bad. You know, I wrapped up my uh, seven game days in ten days, and uh, that went great. You know, uh, today I just started prepping for the upcoming holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get your bird. Yep, got my bird. Uh, I smoke mine, so I have to do a lot of prep work, brining it beforehand and getting things ready. Yeah, we we're we have it pseudo easy this year, I guess. Um, you know, the the boss's father passed earlier this year, so it's mm-hmm. her mom's first Thanksgiving uh, alone, so to speak. And so we're going up right. there and we're doing all of the, the the cooking and the partying at her place so that she is not by herself this week. So we're, we're skipping out on the turkey. We got some chickens. We got some potatoes. We got all of the, the normal Thanksgiving fare. So that's okay. I've, I've never a big fan of turkey anyhow. Yeah, I mean, I like it well enough, you know, if you, if it's cooked right, it is uh, tasty, but a lot of times, you know, people don't make it the way that you would enjoy it, or it winds up being really dry. Yeah, yeah, I think my mother ruined Thanksgiving for me, you know, I also hate all things pumpkin, so, <laughs> so, um, why don't you like turkey? I made delicious turkey. Look, it crumbles on your plate. <laughs> wow oh it's bad it's it's terrible i don't know what happened but she has to turn in her woman card because that woman cannot cook at all uh my mom i i I learned to cook mostly in self-defense my mom's not a good cook either well see we've got something in common lots of stuff going on this week uh it is a short work week for most of the nine to fivers out there because of the holiday, right? At least in the states. Uh, those of you overseas, well, fuck you. You're overseas. You don't get Thanksgiving. <laughs> 
Um, I think that a lot of people are just, well, whether you get Thanksgiving or not, uh, if you're in the States, you've got probably a short work week. You have a short work week, I, I would assume. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, most people have a short work week, I know. Uh, and people are just kicking back. I know that a lot of folks wrote us from two weeks ago when we were talking about holiday gaming scheduling. Right. And um, a lot of the feedback, I would say a majority of the feedback said they actually have a super session over the Thanksgiving holiday. And I found that unique because that has not been the case in my experience for, no. for my tables. But it, like more than half of the folks that, that either wrote in or texted in at the NerdCognito hotline uh, said, no, 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 guys, uh, we rock it out, you know, Thanksgiving night and Black Friday and sometimes on Saturday, too. It is an excuse where we still have our weekend with Sunday and in some cases Monday. And um, we just go to fucking town. So good for you guys, man. Um, Absolutely. If you can get away with that, that's great, you know. Uh, but between spending time with my wife's family and, you know, uh, making Thanksgiving for us. You know, I, I don't have that kind of time around the holiday weekend. No, no. You know, we are scheduled for the Nerd Cognito group this Friday, but I am not holding my breath. And I don't even know if I'm going to be able to host just because of the schedule, but uh, I'm sort of playing it by ear, holding, holding out on the cancellation until probably Wednesday-ish just to see what final schedules look like, but right. I, I don't expect for sure a full turnout if, if, and if we even have a, a session at all. So, um, man, if you're gaming on Thanksgiving or black Friday, shoot me an invite because my, I'm pretty sure that my core group, which is the nerd cognito group is, is going to be light. If at all in session, kicking over, some of the the to-do in the tabletop world this week, mm -hmm. the powers that be that run the NerdCognito Twitter have latched on to something that I've been rallying for probably the last two years. And that is they are in the Sparkle Troll screenshot sort of way calling out every single example that they can find in the pop media of the gamifying and I don't know if that's the right term the video gamifying of tabletop role playing do you know what I'm talking about Bert I do uh you know I I always call it uh you know the trying to win at D&D &D. <laughs> it certainly is trying to win at D&D &D. Let me read you some headlines that the great powers that be have harvested over the last literally seven days. D&D &D Rogue Class Guide. Stats, subclasses, sneak attacks. Ways to maximize your rogue. You're going to see a trend here. D&D &D Bard 5E Class Guide. The best colleges and spells. Roll up, roll up, how to create an awesome D&D &D character. 
Okay. 20 ways to make an overpowered bard in Dungeons and Dragons. 12 tips and tricks for Dragon of Ice Spire Peak, which is a module, Bert, in D&D. So now we, we've we've gone through the spectrum of telling people what they need to make. And, you know, the my favorite crowd is so big on a particular phrase that makes my skin crawl. You, you've actually said it a week or two ago, and I almost said something, but I let it slide. And that's player agency, right? We're 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 being we're big on player agency. Everybody, how can you have player agency if you are creating your character from a walkthrough? How can you have player agency if you are reading the swerves in a written campaign? How can you have player agency if you are trying to make a quote? overpowered anything. I think we're losing the role-playing part of role-playing game here, Bert. You know, there have always been, and, you know, used to run into it. Every system has had sort of uh, combinations of classes, multi-classes or prestige classes that wind up being just ridiculous way overpowered or way broken right um the way that they were written or the way that they were built you know when you combine them together they have this weird synergy and create some sort of you know uh you know super powered character right it's a loophole i I get it right and you know what dms for ages have done said you can't do the combination of x y and c (laughs) is that not happening anymore well i mean there. The thing about it is that, you know, the, uh, I'm trying to think of how best my, so for example, I'm in a couple of different campaigns and, you know, most of the ones that I'm in, they're like, okay, you know, everything is open. You know, if there's something you want to take, we'll try it out. If it interferes with the game or interferes with everybody else's ability to have fun, then we'll talk about it and make the, make changes right. if we need to. We might need to retcon something if we mm. stumble on a nasty combo. Right, exactly. But the, exactly. these folks are intentionally creating with the nasty combos in mind. It is the power gamer that we know from 20, 30 years ago in mainstream pop media culture. Right, I mean, there and there have always been power gamers. So, let me give you a good example, and this is this is hilarious. It's a hilarious example. I need to I got laugh, in, please. <laughs> I got invited to a Christmas D and D game. Oh, it was. We're gonna have a segment about this as it gets closer to the big holiday, just holiday themed games in general. But I, we'll save that for later. Go ahead. So I was. I was invited. It was a seasonal game. It was Christmas based. So they said, build a, you know, build a 10th level Christmas themed D and D character. Mm-hmm. I'm biting my tongue. Like, okay. So I was like, all right. So I'm like, okay. So I'm like, oh, right. So first thing I did was I sat down and I thought about, you know, what kind of Christmas character I would want to be. And I was like, well, 
probably this is probably this will be cliche. A lot of people will probably do it, but we can compare each other's builds and it'll be funny. So sure. I'll do Santa. I figured that's where you were going. Whereas I would do Krampus. Right. So for Santa, I figured, you know, this was third edition when you still had Detect Evil. I was like, well, Santa's a paladin build because he knows if you've been naughty or nice. <laughs> okay. And I multiclassed him with Diviner because he sees you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake. Sure, sure. So I, so I created this kind of fun Diviner Paladin build. Feats I took were like um, uh, skill specialization in toy making. Like I, I really went through and tried to like sort of break down Santa into the D&D world and build a character that had those traits and was fun. You know what I mean? I do. I do, and it sounds as though um, I'll get I'll give your DM on that one a pass because it was very tongue in cheek. If if that was the theme that everybody sort of went with, right, right. So I got there, and I'm like, okay, so I've got a you know X level paladin, X level diviner. I've got some magic. I was like, here's my abilities. You know, I'm like, I'm a halfway decent fighter from the paladin build. I was like, I've got some okay spells from the diviner class. Like this is uh, this is gonna be fun, and then the first guy came in and I'm like, oh, what what did you build? He goes, um, I'm an anthropomorphic Christmas tree. Okay. He was a wooden barbarian. All right. I'm like I'm like okay, so like no no thought went into you know what would a Christmas tree like act like or what would a Christmas tree be like? He built a power gaming barbarian who just happened to be made of wood. But still, he didn't do it with a guide on a second screen telling him step by step what to take and where to go, right? Wait, wait. It it gets funnier. Okay. It gets funnier. The next guy comes in and um, they're like, yeah, I just finished watching the Futurama Christmas special. So I'm Robot Santa. Okay. So, you know, what are your abilities? He goes, oh, I'm just a, uh, you know. I'm just a warforged with all of these, like, you know, uh, all of these feats that make me insanely, uh, an insanely powerful fighter. I'm like, oh, okay. I see. I see what kind of game I walked into here. Yep. I was the most underpowered character at the table because I tried to stay on theme more than, you know, trying to maximize uh, my character's effectiveness. I got you. I got so you. So I wound up playing with, it was me. Robot Santa, the anthropomorphic Christmas tree, the Christmas fairy mindbender, and uh, the Hanukkah zombie. Well, you know, hopefully it was a one or two shot and and it was done. (laughs) Right, it was an eight-hour game session. Okay, so so you got it all out of your system at once. (laughs) Right. But again, I don't... Was that the norm for those players? Were they doing incredible insane amounts of research to find the synergies or did they did they take a guide at that point because they started and they weren't we certainly weren't getting multiples per week which is where we're at now no they there always was a source that you could go to that would find the loopholes and allow you to exploit them it's always been whether that source was uh, the basement dwelling OP super metagaming nerd 
back in the cool. 80s and 90s or yep. you know at the the turn of the millennium the the good old message boards that hosted a lot of that sort of stuff but now we're seeing it on so-called legitimate news sites for gaming and it's just sort of popularized is this the mainstream or is our grognard showing well, I mean, yes and no. I think that, you know, when when we started playing, you know, it was all about the story. And so you would build characters that you wanted to play, you know, when it, when it comes to that. And I still do characters like this, you know. When I pick a character, I pick a character that I want to play, and I think about what that character is like, and then I build based around what that character is like. You know, my, uh, my newest character, you know, the Catfolk Rogue. Sure. I was like... I'm, I'm a cat. So I looked through and I was like, well, what, what about cats? Well, let's see. So I, so when I came to my stats, I was like, I tanked my wisdom, gave me a terrible saving throw for uh, my will save. But, you know, cats are smart, but they get into a lot of trouble. So I was like, uh, tank my wisdom, you know, pick the feats that uh, pick feats and abilities and things like that, that are, you know, that, that are, have, cat habits you right know? it may not be the most effective feat but it is the no. most fitting feat for your character exactly you're a normal exactly. person bert that's that's how it should be <laughs> right so I, I you know i i picked my character that that i thought would be fun to play um you know now i've seen people go the other extreme too they make a character that is entirely useless unless they get into a very specific uh situation sure like, you know, I've seen they, they build only for the story, for the story that they want to play, and they wind up being absolutely useless in the adventure. That's when you just off them as the DM. You know, I, I spent, uh, you know, I spent a, a long period of time playing with a character who was basically, you know, an accountant. But in D and D, when he got to the certain situation, when the moons aligned and the encounter was correct, he could do a hundred and fifty damage once. Right, once. Yeah, once. yeah I mean, he was he was he, he was amazing for about one hour out of a ten week adventure. I I get it. I I don't know. You know, the the whole trend just seems. It seems to defeat the purpose of the namesake. It is tabletop role-playing game. Um, you're not there to maximize. Like you said, you're not there to win. It's not a fucking video game. So I, I have two steps. The Powers That Beast showed me one of these articles, and they said, you know, what would your steps be to create a great character? I said, uh, step one is throw any guide you have into the fucking trash. And step two would be to talk, laugh, and imagine your way through character creation with your group like a sane player. So <laughs> that, that, that's it. Two, that's two simple steps to, to creating an awesome character. It doesn't matter what your damage is. We're not going to calculate damage per round. We're not going to try to maximize certain situations. We're going to create a character that does the best with what he or she has, period. Right. And I and I can see for a new player, you know, wanting to see a, 
examples of how characters are built because you don't, you don't want to build a character that you can't have fun with, that is going to lose in every situation that you get into. No, but that's either. where your group comes into play. That's where a good Hopefully. seasoned DM and, and a seasoned group really comes into play. So, um, and if you're a group of all noobs, you're going to feel it out just like we did when we were preteens, right? Right. We're going to, we're going to find out what works and what doesn't. And sometimes the characters just got to go, but I got news for anybody that comes to my table with a bullet point min max character prepare to die. Uh, no, I didn't. Did I? You never said news. You uh, broke the street. Ah, uh, the powers that be caught it. I said, I've got news for anyone that... Oh, God damn it. I did say news. Uh, all right, what's in the news this week, Ryan? Uh, we've got a lot on, on, on deck this week. We talked about this one uh, about, oh, six weeks ago and here and there on the way, but uh, Hasbro... As you know, was in the midst of rebooting HeroScape, and you yes. and I said, "Ooh, that's expensive." Hasbro's crowdfunding campaign ended in failure last week. Oh my! HasLab was unable to earn enough pre-orders to bring HeroScape to life, and uh has publicly stated that the project is now shelved indefinitely. So those original HeroScape sets that people were trying to unload for maximum profit before the re-release just got all that much more valuable. Um, <laughs> uh, it just didn't happen. And, and right. we... I don't want to say we called it because we want to support, even if it's fucking Hasbro... We want to right. support more people in the hobby. Absolutely. But we talked about it, particularly with mini skirmish games. We said all of these games that are hitting crowdfunding or being launched are coming in at price points that are not going to attract new players. Right. I mean, you're, you're looking at, you know, games that are costing the same as like a copy of Cthulhu Wars. <laughs> It's true. It's true. And Hasbro is the latest one to find out that the only people that pre-ordered HeroScape are the people that are paying the insane price for HeroScape right now. So another project on the ash heap for Hasbro to tally up in their next quarterly report. And, uh, you know, hey, at least it wasn't just Dungeons & Dragons that screwed the pooch this time. They Ooh. were able to do it in another vein of tabletop. So, way to go, Hasbro! Um, oh man, we are we are open and available to consult and just bounce market ideas off of for a very inexpensive price, aren't we, Bert? Absolutely, happy to uh, you know test play a few games, figure a few things out, look at a few price points. You know, of course, if some of the Wizards team found out that that evil Ryan David was a consultant, they would just head for their safe space right away and start you know rocking in the corner and crying. So, I, <laughs> I don't expect a call from Hasbro anytime soon. Uh, me either. That's why I have a day job. Stepping over to another fucking expensive game. Elden Ring, 
the board game is okay. now on Kickstarter, and you better be ready to cough up well over $400 if you want the all-in pledge. Woof. Understanding that this is just the first of, quote, several releases that will cover the entire depth and breadth of the video game. So it's $400 for initial entry and no idea how many more installments are to come. No idea how many more installments to come. It is a skirmish minis hybrid board game. And Hmm. the core game is $89 and includes 20 miniatures. But again, if you want to go all in, that includes all of the minis, all of the bosses, a couple of extras, and an exclusive Iron Fist Alexander model. Uh, your ticket price is four twenty nine plus shipping. Oh, yeah, man! I, I, you know, I love gaming. I love board games. I, you know, I'm not a huge mini skirmish game, but I can't think of any game that I would put that price point down on. I, I again think that they're possibly pricing themselves out Mm. because realm of the grafted king which is this first set of several that they anticipate releasing includes just 15 quests each one taking about 90 minutes to play so the campaign is 20 hours for five benjamins yeah. I mean, when you, when you look at it that way i mean you know 20 hours for 500 dollars you're, you're talking about you know i got one word gloomhaven yeah i mean the there are much longer games for much less money <laughs> but i guess if you're a huge elden ring fan it might be something you're that's worth paying but i can't think of anything i like that much you know no that, that i would that I would put down that kind of money on an initial installment. That's a big ask with no pedigree behind it. It really is. Uh, The Kickstarter did launch yesterday as of our drop date. Um, So we shall see. Uh, Maybe we'll have another told you so, but I don't see positive things at that price point. It might get funded because the base price is about a hundred bucks. But right. I can't see it being a moonshot of a, of a success here, you know. Right. No, I don't. I don't see this as a runaway runaway success for this company. Unfortunately, you know, it's a uh, while the game has huge popularity, you're asking people to pay more than the cost of the video game for for the board game, and then you're asking them to pay like, you know six times as much for the video game if they want to get everything that they could, you know, that they possibly could out of that world. Sure. Yeah, it's it's a big ask. It's a big ask. So that's a disappointment. Uh, Mm -hmm. We'll watch and see, and we'll we'll keep you folks updated, but uh, I I don't love Elden Ring enough to to be invested in, in that property, so... I mean, the game itself is quality. It's difficult, but it, it you know, it, for what it is, it's a, it's a quality product. But I don't love it enough to shell out that kind of money. Maybe, maybe it's fifteen quests, but you have to do them each like fifty six times before you can actually succeed <laughs> at it. We'll, we'll, we'll see when it comes out. Uh, it's not going to be on my shelf just because. Uh, you should also check and see if Mikey kickstarted it. 
I did send it to Mikey earlier in the week. Uh, he indicated that even he not going to be kickstarting this. And an obsession with Elden Ring. Well, yeah, that, I think that also speaks volumes, too. Uh, it doesn't help that right. he moved away and doesn't have a tabletop group that is easily accessible, so uh, that probably led to his decision, too. Disappointing news for the Elden Ring board game. I got some sad news for you, Bert. Okay. Jason David Frank. Does that name ring a bell? The Green Ranger from the Power Rangers. It sure is. Uh, he passed away today. Uh, so when this drops, it will have been three or four days past at the age of just 49. Wow. And from what? Uh, the family has not released a cause of death. Uh, their only statement is to please respect the privacy of the family and friends during the horrible time. Um you know, they, of course, are are grieving and Absolutely. did the standard we-don't-want-to-talk-to-you press release. Um, for those of you that don't know, Frank was there for the inaugural season of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers back in 93. God, that, was, right? that seems so long ago now. Um, he wore the mantle of the Green Ranger and then eventually became the White Ranger and team leader... For those of you that are not up on your Mighty Morphin Power Rangers stuff, um, I was not a huge Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fan. I was just a little too old when it hit. And Right, right. I mean, when it hit, we were, you know, I was in high school when it hit, and, you know, it wasn't something that caught my attention. I knew a little bit because I had, uh, you know, younger relatives that used to watch the show when I was babysitting them and stuff, but... I wasn't a giant fan. No, I, I, I'll admit, I, even as a, an older youth, I, I gave it a shot, and it just didn't hit all the notes for me because my brain still was just saying, "Ryan, this is a fucking Voltron knockoff." <laughs> uh, I, I, I was saying that, about, but I was saying an Ultraman knockoff. Well, it was the baby of both, right? Probably kind of. Uh, Frank is survived by his four children. And, um, you know, we certainly never like to see anyone go before their time. And that scares the hell out of me, man, because we're in that age range now and people are dropping yeah, like flies. Right. We're, we're not that far off. Uh, little known fact, uh, Frank actually uh, created his own style of American karate. Did you know that? I did not know that. See, I, I did knew some he was homework. a real martial artist. Yeah, and he was inducted into the World Karate Union Hall of Fame in 2003. So he was definitely all in on his craft. Um, and he had the, the looks to to definitely pull off the, the Hollywood end of things, too. So I guess if you are a Power Rangers fan, today is a sad, sad day as the Green Ranger is no more. Let's see if we can resurrect something, or okay. more importantly, if Team Ninja can resurrect something, and that being Ninja Gaiden, the video game. Uh, Team Ninja has okay. announced that they are looking to reboot both Ninja Gaiden as a series and the beloved Dead or Alive series uh, of video games. So here, here's my question. Are we still going to have, in a 
post Me Too world? Are we still going to have boob jiggling physics in DOA? Uh, uh, I mean, everybody was talking about that at the time. I was more excited about Ninja Gaiden because I remember the first the first game for that game it was almost impossible. Oh, fucking like, it was impossible. Very, it was very unforgiving. But if you could actually accomplish it, you felt like you won the lottery. Uh, Ninja Gaiden was definitely one of the most difficult games that I can recall playing. Uh, I also remember the, the, the arcade version of it, which ramped up the difficulty even more. So uh, oh, it, yeah. it, it was one of those weird ones that the console release came first and then the arcade game followed. Um, I should probably fact check that before I say it, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Let me look this up. No, I was I was incorrect. I'm I'm glad that I did look that up. The arcade game, which was ridiculously impossible, did, oh yes, did come much. first just by a contair. So, um, the arcade game was '88, and um, that was a Japanese only release. It, it launched in North America in late 1988, and then the uh, Ninja Gaiden titles for the console series uh all released in 1990 and further so i was wrong but you know my memory is not so good no more that's okay <laughs> uh you know what i remember most about the the ninja gaiden series what's that the continue screen on the arcade was phenomenal it had the buzzsaw dropping uh onto oh, Ryu. i remember that I remember that. Yes, that was amazing. And if you didn't put your quarter in, he got sawed in half. <laughs> but uh, we'll see what, what, what Team Ninja has to produce. Uh, I'll look at it, if nothing else, for nostalgia factor, right? Right. I mean, I loved the first one and even into the second one, but some of the later titles, I just I couldn't get into them. They weren't uh, didn't weren't as much fun to me. And so I'm kind of curious to see what they're going to come out with and see if we can recapture some of that sort of joy that we had in our youth. I don't know if you played it, but there was a reboot or pseudo reboot Ninja Gaiden Black for the original Xbox in the early aughts. I didn't. I was a PlayStation kid. Gotcha. Gotcha. It was it was pretty solid. It was pretty solid. So uh, maybe go back and and take a peek. I don't even know if it's been re-released. who knows? <laughs> Who knows? We'll we'll see if uh, the adventures of our favorite ninja Ryu uh, continue on a good path. I have high hopes. I have high hopes. Me too. I mean, I certainly, I certainly hope it will be amazing. Uh, obviously, a beloved series. You want to see it do well. I've got to insert a short little piece of news here before we wrap up with another video game slash movie story at the end of the news, but this is a science-y sort of update that caught my eye, and I'll tell you why later, but scientists have developed a wearable ring that repels insects. Really? Now, anyone that knows my pale white ass when it goes outside is a mosquito fucking magnet. Right. Uh, It's... (laughs) 
interesting, but the more I read about it, it it's really just a 3D printed plastic ring with IR3535, which is an insect repellent, built into it. Um, hmm. It Normally, that repellent comes in the spray or like a lotion or, you know, the, the bug repellent stuff. Uh, this was actually inserted into a polymer and uh, supposedly is working well in clinical tests. Hmm. So you don't have to spray that nasty shit all over yourself. You can just wear this ring and, in theory, keep the buggies away. Well, that, I mean, that's a really interesting idea because a lot of people, you know, those sprays and lotions and things like that, it's hard to get, you know, kids to put them on or, you know, you lose the can, like all kinds of stuff. So. If it can be built into a polymer, there's all kinds of things you could do with it. I'll be interesting to see, you know, how those tests go. Yeah, supposedly each ring will last about a week before the the repellent all evaporates away. So um, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe maybe I will enjoy sitting out on the patio or by the pool this summer. I always do because I if I take you with me, so you get eaten and of, I'm fine. Of course, of course. Your bait. <laughs> Last but not least, on the news front, the director of the upcoming Bioshock movie, so you know this has my attention, Francis right, we talked Lawrence, about this before. has openly said that he is making a concerted effort to break the video game movie curse when it comes to Bioshock, and they are approaching it as a feature film steeped in the world of Rapture, as opposed to a film imagining the world of the video game. So, ah, you know, we've seen some pretty terrible, terrible, terrible video game adaptations in the movie world. Doom, Battleship. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please carry on, right? <laughs> um, no, the, the, it's It's been bad going... Ugh. All the way back to the original Super Mario Brothers movie, which was so bad it was good, right? It, it, that that falls into the, the They Live category of movie. Guilty pleasures. Right. All the way. Right. But um, they are taking a all Hollywood hands-on-deck approach to this IP, which is good. Um, the script for the film is in the hands of writer Michael Green, who wrote Blade Runner 2049. Which was not a bad film. Not a bad film, just shouldn't have been called Blade Runner, right? Th that was I, the kiss I, of death. It, when you put Blade Runner on it, you're immediately setting the bar to an unreasonable height. Right, because the original Blade Runner was so amazing. Right, you, you cannot do that. Anyway, um, they're you know hitting the script hard. They are not sparing any expenses, at least in the budget preliminaries for visual effects. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it. I mean, I'm not a huge Bioshock fan, but I have played, uh, you know, as a casual player, I've played a bit. And it, the world is very interesting, so I'll be kind of curious to see what they do with it as a film property. Let me read you a quote, and you'll be surprised to know that this came out of the mouth of a director. Quote, first of all, I think it's one of the best games ever created. It's also, I think, one of the most visually unique games ever created. 
The other thing, and one of the things that always appeals to me, is that it is very thematic. There's real ideas and philosophies underneath the game property, and it's really, really, really thought out. A lot of games may have a great world of some kind, or they may not have a great lead character, or they may tee you up for great set pieces, but they really don't have the ideas. They don't have the kind of weight and the gravitas that Bioshock does. The sort of combo of real ideas and philosophies mixed with the unbelievable aesthetic of it. Plus, one of the other things that I love, love, love is that sort of strange mashup of genre. The idea that you have what feels like a period piece mixed with body horror, mixed with sci-fi. It's a great mashup. I really think it can be unique and really beautiful and really entertaining. You don't get a love letter like that from a Hollywood director. Not normally, no. We will see. You know, it, it's very, very preliminary right now. Things, of course, can change. But uh, the the best line in the entire interview is, quote, a lot of it is staying really true to the game itself. Awesome. I am interested. I am really, really psyched. And just hope, hope, hope that they do it justice. And that, my friend is our news for the week. Excellent. Yeah. Bioshock, bug rings, untimely <laughs> deaths. You know. Yeah, the we, news was a roller coaster this week. Some we, ups, some downs. We crossed the gamut of just about everything this week, but um, interesting nonetheless. And come on, Big Daddy, Big Daddy, Big Daddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know what a huge Bioshock fan you are, so you know you've got to be like drooling for this movie. I say that like some brainless hack, but really, it's not the big daddies. It's not the the visual aesthetic, um, even though that's a big plus, right? Retro futurism, huge on my list, um, but the psychology and the philosophy in Bioshock is. Really Really what always roped me into that series. So I'm hoping that it gets preserved and I'm hoping that it doesn't have an NC 17 rating. So it gets crushed. <laughs> right. But I can see both of those things possibly happening. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Considering on the themes in the game. Yeah. That's definitely a possibility. Ah, well, I'll be thankful if they do it justice and we can have a good video game movie adaptation. Right, until the studio decides it needs to be PG-13. <sighs> Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Other things that I'll be thankful for? Well, I'm thankful for getting a couple of days where I can just unplug. You know, and that's coming up. Uh, by the time this drops, it'll be there. So uh, I'm really, really geeked about just the holidays in general this year. And I'm not a holidays guy. I think I'm just really excited to have some downtime because oh yeah this year has been personally and professionally a fucking whirlwind for me the things have been a little crazy for me too uh, i'm looking forward to you know the upcoming thanksgiving holiday i mean it's an excuse to stand out by my smoker and drink beer while the turkey cooks <laughs> at two in I mean, the morning because you start well you're doing turkeys so they're not in there that long no, no. I mean, the turkey I've got will probably be done between seven and eight hours. Fair enough. Fair enough. And it'll be delicious, I'm sure. Your your smoked goods are always top-notch fare, my friend. I do all right. 
So, when we think about all of the tentacles of nerd cognito in mm -hmm. nerd pop culture, what are things that we are thankful for, particularly over the past year? Um, I have I have a couple, and some of them are uh, super sappy, and some of them are, are very realistic, as you would expect. Sure. But when I think about all of the different areas that, that we have the, the privilege to talk about, and I, I say privilege because it, it truly is a privilege that people want to listen to you and I bullshit every week about stuff that we like, right? Right. I mean, basically, this is just us sitting down and having a, having a conversation about the things we like. Right. It, it is. It's our, it's our weekly chat, and we are thrilled that people want to be a part of that and and be on the I don't want to say on the outside but be a listener sort of from the from the fringes of the room and it's incredibly humbling and you don't get that often from old Ryan David <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that that I can think of that I'm thankful for as it relates to our hobby and the things that we like how about you? Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can think of a few things right off the bat that, you know, that uh, come to mind as far as that's concerned. Hit me with your biggie. Well, I mean, it, it's a little cliche and some people are going to say it's a little sappy. But the first thing that, I, you know, I'm always thankful for is my wife and the way she encourages me to pursue the things that I that I like doing. You know, whether it's having to hear about my newest character and say, uh-huh, that's nice, dear. Listening to me obsess about <laughs> listening to me obsess about what snacks to bring to game day or hearing me rant about, you know, how uh, you know, something, you know, something isn't going the way that I think it should with a with a group or something like that, you know, that that's the first thing that I would always pick as far as that's concerned. Hey, that's super important and I, I'm going to give a shout out to your wife too because before we had our big listener explosion when we were, you know, counting listeners daily on our fingers and toes, right? Um your wife was like the champion uh, of Nerd Cognito. So I I certainly uh, appreciate and you know i love her outside of the world not sure. that, not that way bert but you know what i mean i know um, i know what you mean i love you mrs bert i really do um but no she she was a big supporter not only of you but of of us in general and that sort of dovetails into to my second one and this is not intended to make enemies although i'm sure it will right but uh the second general thing that I'm thankful for is the community and the camaraderie that was really extended to us by the OSR. Um, and I, I don't want to ruffle feathers. If you are anti-OSR, you're allowed to be anti-OSR. I say this because Nerd Cognito had a couple of very big and public canceling attempts this year. And there is one group, and one group exclusively, that stepped up and really said, no, 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 these guys are two guys saying their piece, whether you like them or whether you hate them. And, and they're certainly not like OSR purists, right? I'm a no. little closer to that than you are, but even True. I am not an OSR purist. No, no. I enjoy that style of play, but I 
definitely align philosophically more with the way that they think. And just the, the support when I was deplatformed, uh, the support when the Sparkle Trolls went after our sponsors, uh, it was incredible. So I'm really thankful that we have a home, not just in the gaming community, but sort of an easy chair in the OSR community as well. And, you know, we're certainly not an exclusively OSR podcast by any means. Absolutely not. But I do recognize that a a lot of the folks that are hardcore and in that community also have a a great appreciation for the things that we do and we appreciate them reciprocally. So it, it really... When I got deplatformed, Bert, there was a moment. Now, I'm not a quitter, but there was a moment no. where I was ready to say just fuck it, but that was through my anger, right? Sure. And you got mad. And I intentionally didn't present that online. I wasn't going to feed the sparkle trolls because, you know, you have enough hot pockets as it is. Um, but the OSR community almost exclusively encouraged the powers that be to get off their ass with the nerd cognito Twitter to help rebuild it. And it's still got a long way to go, but there would have never been the progress that they've had. Uh, they pretty much made sure that the show still had listeners coming in from the Twitter base. And for that, we are thankful. Also, you know, back in the early days, uh, when they started to go after sponsors, when we transitioned from the old podcast to nerd cognito, uh, they were the first ones that said, this is fucking bullshit. And uh, so hats off to you. Definitely support your local small-time OSR writer slash publisher slash developer. And that's everybody. I'm not going to drop names here because I don't want to leave anybody out. But uh, and, right. and if I were to drop names, the, lo- the list would be so long that it would take me right up to the end of the show. So... And I don't think there's anything wrong with being thankful for the people who are kind to you when you're going through a tough time. No. And, you know, we we have reach and scope beyond that specific community, but it's that community that I know if I were to throw out there that we need a hand, we need a guest, we need a fill-in host, in minutes they will be there to, to support each other. And I always say... Uh, or I always said online, (laughs) I don't always say, um, we have to support each other because if we don't support each other, no one else will. And they are the embodiment of of that phrase. So when the Sparkle Trolls so eloquently said that I am the loudmouth, drunken uncle of the OSR in some sort of attempt to to hurt me, I I think that that's like a badge of honor, man. So I'll be the loudmouth, drunken uncle of the OSR. (laughs) I'm not in the family, but I'm there for the events. <laughs> right. You show up at, on Thanksgiving, you know, you drink all the bourbon, you know, uh, eat, a, eat a pile of pie and insult somebody. Uh, intentionally or unintentionally. You'll never know. Maybe both. <laughs> <laughs> Probably both. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, the other thing that I'm going to hit with a short thankful moment here is we have our Checkmark Hero. Matt Barninger getting another free week because Elon won't enable the checkmarks again. 
<laughs> but Matt Barninger is our checkmark hero. Uh, as you know, you can certainly sponsor Nerd Cognito to get that blue checkmark on Twitter. If that's your jam, you can DM the powers that be at Nerd Cognito. Or you can just Venmo at NerdCognito 8 bucks, and you will be in line to be the next checkmark hero. Uh, right now, it's Matt Barninger. He's on deck until we officially get that checkmark, because he was the first one within minutes to say, Hey, I got your checkmark. Uh, so we appreciate him. Give him a follow. He is an author and screenwriter extraordinaire, and you can follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Barninger, B-A-R-N-I-N-G-E-R. So thanks, Matt. Once again, carrying on your title of Checkmark Hero. Any other thank yous for you, Bert? Yeah, I mean, when we're coming up with things to be thankful for, I mean, just having wrapped up, you know, seven game days in 10 days, I have to be thankful, I think, for all the gaming groups that I'm a part of, whether it whether it's the newbies and the casuals that I'm introducing to new games for the first time, or, you know, the established gaming groups that I've been in for, you know, the better part of a decade, you know, I'm just thankful to have... Uh, you know, a chance to play some of these games and check out things that I wouldn't have uh, an opportunity to otherwise. No, and I think we're all thankful for our groups in general because what better way to really have a good time than sit around the table with a lot of like-minded people, talk about the stuff you like, and pretend to kill horrible monsters. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a really good, good deal to me, so... Well, I think on that note, we're, we're a little early, but I'm okay with being early this week. People have turkey to eat, beer to drink, games to play, and we should probably uh, let them go about their business and do that. The one thing I do want to ask before you go about your business and do that is that you make sure that you are subscribed to us at the podcast provider of your choice. Hit that subscribe button. It really makes a difference. That way you get every show as soon as they drop. They will be delivered to your device. The other thing this holiday is spread some thankfulness our way. And please let all of your friends, families, and fellow gamers and dorks know that we exist. So point them to nerdcognito.com or point them to at nerdcognito on Twitter. Uh, either way, they'll be able to see all that the nerdcognito philosophy embodies and at our website they can check out all of the past episodes that they would care to possibly listen even going back to the days when you know mikey showed up on the regular <laughs> do you remember do you remember that oh yeah i mean back that's you're jumping in the wayback machine but i remember i know i know i told so, him i'm gonna take his fucking bald head off of the logo here so. you know that was you know that was in the pbe that, it was pre-bert pre era yes yes PBE. uh but uh it's you know it's it's been a wild ride since we branded Nerd Cognito and we hope to be here for a long long time so of course we're thankful for you everybody say ah ah see how sweet that was you're not buying it <laughs> bird's not buying it well, that's it for us this week. Thanks for listening. My name is Ryan David. I was joined by Bert as always, and we thank you, thank you, thank you 
and we will talk at you next week. Be safe out there, everybody, and eat a second slice of pie for me. Yum, not pumpkin. No!